3: Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big Eight Seventy. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Abair, Charlie Long watching over us uh, in studio, making sure everything's fine. And then we'll have Steve Geller on with us five forty-five for trip ops. We want to tell everybody today four thirty-five. The legendary Peter King will join us, uh, uh, man. And I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna tell him when he comes on. I'll miss those Monday night, uh, those Monday morning Monday, columns, Monday man. Morning Monday morning quarterback, he yeah. was just awesome with that for so, so many years.
4: And a big fan of New Orleans and the Saints.
3: Yes, he was. People
4: don't realize that Peter King, post-Katrina, was a big part uh, with Paul Tagliabue and all, uh, you know, the big wigs, keeping the team in New Orleans. Peter, Do you know Peter King had season tickets for the Saints in 2006? You know how how important it is he thought to have a team in New Orleans? to represent the Gulf Coast, the Gulf South.
3: And he was all over the country covering teams. Uh, He didn't uh, have to do that. Right,
4: no, Peter King's a big New Orleans and New Orleans Saints fan.
3: Uh, Bob, last night, uh, we were talking about it before I left, man, LSU five-and-a-half point favorite over Georgia. This game, the first one came down to a two-point game. Georgia ends up winning. Last night, uh, 67 66 and Bob wow, Georgia got two looks
4: at the end of the game. What's about time, LSU basketball? <laughs> they they got a little break. bit of yeah. okay, got a, bit a little a, bit of
3: sports uh, luck, yeah, yeah. and and when you win the power ball, it ain't cause you good on numbers; it's cause you lucky. Uh, it was a little bit of you played well, and you had a little bit of luck at the end to close it out.
4: Yeah, that, that was a frenzy to say the least. Uh, you look at it, Mike. Uh, with you know, basically sixteen seconds left, Will Baker uh, two free throws. Uh, He makes them. He gives LSU a one-point lead. Now, what I don't understand, because I think Will Baker, somebody about being on a roller coaster. (laughs) He's all over the board. So, Mike, his two free throws that he made at the end, it was his first (laughs) points since scoring 10 of LSU's first 13 points in the first three-plus minutes of the game. Bob, I think (laughs) they were eight of nine
3: from the court. In, to open the game against Georgia, well, I think they it had, was eight of nine. They
4: had as much as a fifteen-point lead. They were winning uh, thirteen uh, at half. Uh, but that's the way LSU's been playing. You know, we always talk about different teams you follow how they can give you an ulcer. Well, LSU basketball <laughs> can definitely give you an ulcer. Look, after losing three conference games by four points or fewer. It was the Tigers' third one-point win in the past 11 days. <laughs> Mike, you know, they upset. We don't know South Carolina. We ranked 11, Kentucky. You get blown up by just, state by 20. Uh, no, you just don't know. You just don't know where they're at. But, Mike, the way I look at it, though, uh, what was the expectation for, uh, to be realistic? Well, wasn't they picked, like, 13th? So yeah. I, I think they kind of middle the pack. So I think they've kind of overachieved. When you say they're at— uh, and, and
3: Matt has done a good job recruiting. I think he's got two really highly recruited uh, prospects coming in. So we'll see so what I, happens with I'm encouraged
4: now going forward uh, because I think he did, uh, so far where we're at, better than expected. I, 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 I agree. I, I mean, I don't know how you can argue that because they've been in a lot of close games. Win some, you lose some. But uh, they were picked like thirteenth, I want to say, in the SEC. I think uh, like uh, you know, like Missouri and all that, the bottom, where at the bottom. But they said the one team that was, I think, was picked at the bottom is Mississippi New State, State and... And, and, and they're not at the bottom.
3: No, they're the not. And you catch them on the right night. They'll blow teams oh, right, out. Right. Man, they are real physical, well, they, and they're good and, on the boards. And they
4: lost right at the end to Kentucky. Kentucky. They had oh, yeah. Kentucky. We had them where we wanted them, but we let them go. <laughs>
3: we'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870, and uh, we'll do our weekly or daily feature, I should say, on the uh, combine players. We're talking about pass rushers, uh, top pass rushers, defensive ends for the 2024 NFL Draft, and you'll get to see a lot of those guys at the combine. They, I think they first up, I think tomorrow, I think they're the guys that will work out first. So we'll be back with that and more here on Sports Talk on the Big 870 right after this break.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries
3: Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Aver. Bob, we're going to talk about the top edge rushers' defensive ends for the 2024 NFL Draft. I think it is an area the Saints need to take a long look at. I don't know that he will be on the board when the Saints pick, but my number one guy is Dallas Turner, who's played more of the 3-4 outside linebacker, but he's played up on the line of scrimmage, almost like a defensive end.
4: Well, LSU fans don't like him, Mike. They think he's They would up, like him man.
3: if he plays for the, for the Saints, Saints, but he took but... out Jane yeah. Denny. Yeah, and I was
4: like, ah, it's a cheap shot on all that. Uh, but yeah, hey, I don't know. It's a physical game. You're playing football, so uh, I, I like him too, Mike. I don't know. What do you think about?
3: He's not as good as Will Anderson, but he's he's taller. He's but a little. But only weighs two
4: forty five. No, though,
3: right? he's he's two fifty five, two sixty. Oh,
4: okay. So he's put on a little weight. I don't know. I was looking where somewhere he was like two forty five. No, maybe he, that was some misinformation. No, he's
3: he's two fifty five. He's outstanding rusher come off the edge. uh,
4: 250, I should say.
3: He knows how to use his arms and hands real well. What he does really good, he converts that lower body power to speed and can cut the edge and get after your quarterback, and he's really good in pursuit on the backside. Bob, in a lot of ways, you know, he reminds me of you played with him. Pat Swilling. Oh,
4: oh, and then Now, he's a little bigger version of Pat, well, but he reminds well, me of Pat Swilling. Well, and Pat Swilling, if he turned into Pat Swilling, now we had opposite of Ricky Jackson, Pat Swilling was the NFL defensive player of the year. Uh, I mean, I, I think we'd, any team would accept that. And, Mike, we judge a lot of players, where are they playing, where are they come from. You look at the SEC, uh, look at that competition, 11 sacks, 15 and a half tackles for a loss in this past season. What have you done for I me mean, lately? Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. How do how you think at the combine? Uh, is he doing everything or he's just doing the interviews? I'm, well, not what sure, is he doing? I'm
3: not sure what he's doing and what he's right. not doing, but I know one thing. He is a fantastic athlete. And whatever he runs, it'll be fast. Whatever he jumps, it'll be high. Well, uh, you know, okay, but you got to go by the film with him. He is a very a good athlete. But he is productive, and when you played Alabama, your thoughts are okay. Well, if we got to block somebody, it's that guy right there.
4: Well, Mike, and you know what? I don't know. Uh, they do interviews and all. Uh, you want to be an outstanding citizen off the field, but you want to be a son of a gun on the field. He seems like he's mean. I, I don't. I don't even know him. Bob, I, I just how he plays. I was going to mention that. It just that. seems like he's oh, definitely overly aggressive. <laughs> uh, Pete
3: Jenkins every year will go in the spring and the summer to work with you know with Nick because of their relationship. And he had always told me, man, Dallas, uh, who had an injury and he missed some time with the knee injury, came back. He's like Mike. He got an edge on him. That when he he's a really good guy. He said off the field. But when you put him on the field, there's a dial that he clicks it, and he said, Mike, he's not far from being to the edge of being a dirty player.
4: Well, that's the kind of player you want where you don't have to light a fire and motivate him. You ain't got to worry about that with him. No, they understand what's on the field, off the field, and all that. Uh, Listen, uh, Sam Mills uh, was unbelievable off the field. But on the field, he was so focused. I mean, you can't coach that. Mike, I, I know Coach Sabin would even say that. Look, you put players in position to Never make plays. Never told him
3: anything not to be.
4: Uh, r- r- right, right, right. No, no. You, you want to say, okay, stay out of trouble, uh, off the field, and I'll be a good citizen. When you're on the field, no, you got to be helping for leather. I mean, you got to bring it. And that's one thing. It seems like when I have watched him, you don't have to motivate him. I
3: think he may be the first defensive player off the board. I think in a draft filled with a lot of mm-hmm. offensive players early – I really believe Dallas Turner will be the first defensive player off the board. And so depending on what happens, and that's a strange sort of development happening in Vegas now where they have pulled the odds off of you betting on which team Justin Fields can get traded to. And that means So that what is people, that like insider
4: trading, Mike?
3: I don't know uh, if you want to call bet. it that. But they got information that they think this will not happen in days, but will happen in hours. That they have pulled it off of all the gambling sites on how you can uh bet on Justin Fields and who he would go to. They pulled it. So that means they know something uh, other people don't know exactly where he'll well, go. And uh, I think Atlanta has yeah, been the target uh, uh, spot.
4: Mike, if I had to speculate like you said, it would be Atlanta. I, I, I would say Atlanta. He's going back home. He's not from Atlanta, but Atlanta's so big. North, south, east, west. There's no body of water. I mean, you could say you live in Atlanta. I ever told you when I went uh, to the Holyville's uh, birthday party? He goes, Bobby, I want you to come. You know, He had about like 12 kids. So I live in North Atlanta, he's in South Atlanta. We both say we live in Atlanta. From my, house, my driveway to his driveway was 62 miles. <laughs> okay, all I know is I grew up in Cutoff, Louisiana, from Cutoff to the New Orleans airport was like uh, 54 miles, 55 miles. Now, Cutoff's not a suburb in New Orleans, so it just goes to show you how big... That, uh, how big and he started
3: at Georgia, Justin Yes, yeah, started
4: Figgs. at Georgia, and he goes to Ohio State. but uh, and uh, so, so that would make sense, him going to the Falcons. Now, we'd face him twice. Hey, listen, it would be the second coming of Michael Vick, uh, but Michael Vick, to me, in early in his career, is a better passer. No than question, Justin Fields. No uh, that, question that, that. about I'm not talking about running. Now, he can run. <laughs> Justin Fields got some highlight runs. Uh, but, like you can't be in this day and age how to protect the quarterback and the rules. You can't be a 50% passer. No. Now you got to be more 60%. And that's at the bottom. And the so we're
3: we talking about Atlanta. That might be the target spot for Dallas Turner. Because if they make a deal and it doesn't involve the first-round pick, which it doesn't seem to be, then – Atlanta would be looking for an edge pass rusher. Dallas Turner would fit that bill to give them a guy that can come off the edge. My number two guy, and he's not far uh, behind Dallas Turner on my ratings, Jared Verse, and starts out at Albany uh, College. And the
4: LSU fans are familiar with him, Mike. Man, would he, he, he gave Will Campbell more
3: trouble than anyone, uh, one-on-one. And uh, just a great story, a guy who's gotten bigger physically. Uh, He knows how to use his arms and hands really well, and like Turner, he can turn that lower body power into speed. His closing speed to a running back or a quarterback is really good. I think he's a top 15 pick in the draft, and if there's a huge run on offensive players, he may be a guy that's in that bullpen for the Saints. It would be close, uh, but... You know, Versus a guy that if you're looking at four or five players that you could say you're looking at strong, Versus would be one of those guys.
4: Well, uh, Mike, and looking at I was just thinking of this. Um, I guess whatever team would get Dallas Turner, they'd have the right Turner because the Saints picked the wrong Turner, Peyton Turner. Don't we want Peyton Turner just to play? I mean— uh, p- please, play. Do we know anything about him, no. oh, how good he is and how good, or maybe he's not that good. I don't know. We haven't seen enough uh, 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 of him. Mike, he's made plays in a game or two, but he's a uh, 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 worse version of Marcus Davenport. <laughs> you, you think Davenport What wasn't available. Uh, Peyton Turner. Well, Davenport now, had had more skill. Yes. Physically. And, uh, no, no, and, and he was even available more than Peyton Turner. So I, I look at Peyton Turner. I don't know if it's bad luck or whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, Peyton Turner needs to drink uh, the, the same out uh, the same water bottle, whatever, as, uh, as Carl Grandison. Uh, Carl Grandison, look how he's somewhat overachieved. He's from he Sacramento. Can play what he did Wyoming? Yes, he's like he had eight and a half sacks. he's a good Come player
3: on. in this league. Uh, really uh, well, is. It,
4: well, to me, what Carl Grandison has done and accomplished in a Saints uniform, the Saints wish Peyton Turner. What have been doing that, considering what they invested in him in a first-round pick. I agree. And three players
3: I have in the twenties that I think will be first-round pick defensive ends: Darius Robinson, who yesterday I compared him to Wayne Martin. He's a defensive end, defensive tackle from Missouri. Uh, Le'atu Le'atu uh, from UCLA. The injury thing, and this is where the combine is going to be important yeah, for him. His neck. The medicals on his neck and how Latu uh, will will sort of test out there and everybody's going to have a different opinion medically well, on it.
4: Well, well, Mike, as we go to the break, all I know is these numbers are unfree. He put up some big numbers. He led the country in tackles for loss uh, last season. It wasn't double-digit. It was 21-and-a-half, and in two years at UCLA, he recorded 23-and-a-half sacks Five forced fumbles and a couple of interceptions. The only thing is the neck injury. Mike, those that, numbers. That uh,
3: part I don't know. And and you got to understand the medical part and what their job is. The other guy is Chop Robinson from Penn State, uh, who's a little bit of a shortcut. Is that guy.
4: Has to be an, his Mom didn't yeah, name him no, Chop, huh?
3: No, but that, that's <laughs> his nickname. But man, is he. He's got the potential to be a really good edge rusher. And some team who's really good is going to get Chop Robinson in the 20s. Well,
4: well I, I grew up with a chop on the body, but that ain't his real name. <laughs> no, uh, exactly. But, 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 yeah, but Mike, you, you know what's crazy uh, when you look at it? Whenever I uh, see these schools, I'm so looking forward to LSU's home schedule. What's going to come up? Uh, okay, we're going to start out this season in Vegas against USC. UCLA's coming to town. Oklahoma. Alabama, oh Miss. Mike, there's never been a greater home schedule. UCLA coming to Baton Rouge. The I good thing, yeah.
3: Latu won't be on the field. Yes, exactly. Uh, we'll th- be so back. You got to win. With more sports talk and the legendary Peter King will join us right after this break on the Big 870.
2: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight. Better than reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Listen
5: to every MLB game live. And the deep left center field it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates.
4: The Midwest League Home Run Leader.
5: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
4: Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game.
5: Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're
3: back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, and on our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking Text line, the legendary Peter King. Peter, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, my Monday mornings won't be the same without reading that column, but I did a draft book for 36 years. And so there comes a time where you said, okay, I, I got it. I got to move on. There's <laughs> yeah. other things to do, but I'm going to miss it. And it was all the great inside news of anything. There's one thing to write about a, a little bit about a story, but to give the insights like you did. Nobody else like you, brother.
5: Hey, listen, Mike, thank you so much. That's really, really nice of you, I, You know, look, it was a labor of love. But after a while, you do something uh, for 40 years, and you do it at a level that, honestly, I mean, the last three years I've worked myself. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel sorry for me. I'm not. I'm just stating a fact. At the end of the last three seasons, I've been sick. I mean, I ended this year with double pneumonia. I just. I only know one way how to do it, and that is sort of to lay it all out there and to work pretty hard. So, you know, I I love doing it. I never had a bad day of work in my life, but I just felt like it would be fair to my family, um, uh, really fair to my family to walk away and to do some other things now.
4: Now, uh, Peter, uh, what I appreciate about you, uh, you know, Buddy Diliberto had me come. Uh, this is pre-Katrina to help him out. You know, he was getting up in age yeah. and to help with the Saints and pre- and post-game training camp and all that stuff. What I appreciate about you and your investment as far as keeping the Saints in New Orleans. You know, Gulf South, yeah. uh, you, you, you look <laughs> at that. Uh, I mean, uh, think about that. Uh, the Gulf South Saints, uh, Gulf Coast Saints, New Orleans Saints, whatever it yeah. might be, how important that was that you invested not only in uh, post-Katrina the Saints in New Orleans with Paul Tagliabue and all that, but you uh, you bought season tickets. Uh, that, that's freaking unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so it, what was that, just a labor of love and why you thought maybe the NFL was important in New Orleans?
5: I Look, over the years, there's something about New Orleans. There's a lot of teams that are really important to their communities, like – The Denver Broncos are really important to Denver. The Green Bay Packers are really important to Green Bay and Northeast Wisconsin, to all of Wisconsin. And so there are a lot of people in a lot of communities in the country who view that our community would be incredibly diminished without our team. But nowhere more so than in New Orleans. And I have this thing that will be forever in my mind. I will never forget being, this was 2006. And as you guys remember, in 2006, the hurt, the pain, physical, mental, uh, civic was was all over New Orleans. There's a lot of things I'll never forget, but I rode in from the airport with Reggie Bush in the car after he was picked, and he was looking out the window, and I can just tell you, Reggie Bush was thinking, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Cars up on blocks, whole communities – flooded out, you know, houses abandoned, all this stuff. And, 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 and I remember that week I came in a little bit early. My wife and I worked for, uh, we did a, we, she was a lot more than me, but over the years we did a bunch of things for Habitat for Humanity. And so I had her come down with me to cover the draft that year because I was covering it in New Orleans. It was Sean Payton's first year. He was there with Mickey Loomis. Right. And so on Friday, before the draft, the draft in those days, I'm pretty sure was Saturday, Sunday. Yes, it was. On, yeah. Friday, on Friday, okay, I called uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, and I said, listen, you know what you should do if you can on your lunch break on Friday? I know you're getting your board all set up, everything like that, but you should come over to the Lower Ninth Ward, to this Habitat for Humanity uh, build, and you should just shake hands with the people who are here from all over the country and just thank them. These strangers are helping rebuild New Orleans. And Peyton said, I'll come. I'll definitely come. And unbeknownst to me, about an hour before they were supposed to show up, this motorcade comes by and it's President Bush walking into uh this thing and shaking hands with everybody and ray nagin was there the mayor um I, then there were a lot of politicians there but and then and then you know peyton and loomis come in and it's like the highlight of peyton's life peyton loved george bush you know he was a big big fan so it was so cool and and i watched <laughs> george bush was a big longhorns fan and he said Coach, who's going to take Vince Young tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and he goes, "I, w- I wish I knew. I, w- but I just don't know." But anyway, that that was happening all in that thing, and I remember, God, this is seared in my head, and I know that for a lot of people, Ray Nagin might not have been the most popular mayor. I get it, but Ray Nagin that day said to me, I was standing there interviewing him, and he said, you know. We just need the Saints here for at least one more year just to build a bridge so that we could get this community rebuilt. And the next day, I'm covering the draft, and I go over to the ticket area, and I said, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And they said, well, you know, we need the phone to ring, and hopefully after we take somebody, the phones will start ringing. And so I just said, I want to buy four season tickets. And I had no idea at the time what I was going to do with them. But I bought four season tickets, lower level, end zone, about 20 rows up. Let me just say, when I bought them, there were plenty of good seats still available. You know. And, and then remember what happened next. Yep. You know, that season was just magical. Yep. And the Saints started winning. And all of a sudden, not only are there, do people want my season tickets, but now there's a freaking waiting list for season <laughs> tickets. And all I can say, all I can say is, man, God bless New Orleans. What a town. What a fan base. What a place. And, uh, you know, I had some of my fondest. Can I tell you one other New Orleans story? Of course. you yeah. guys will really like. Okay. So... When Drew Brees later that season started to get on fire, I was also working at the time for HBO for the Inside the NFL show. Drew Brees is on fire, and the Saints are winning, and Brees is doing all this stuff about Katrina, you know, post Katrina to help the city. And he lived in a house over on Audubon Park. And so I met him with my HBO crew, and he had an Akita. He had a dog. And we went for a walk with the dog, and I'm doing a walk-and-talk, as they call it. He's mic'd up, I'm mic'd up, and we're just talking about him. And all of a sudden, the dog takes a massive dump on camera. Massive. (laughs) And it was like like five dumps in one. The dog must have been holding it for three days. So anyway, he takes a massive dump. And so my producer had a plastic bag, and she goes, I got it. And Breeze said no. And she goes, no, 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 I got it. And he looks at her sternly, and he goes, hey, I pick up after my dog. Nobody else. And so we got that on camera, and it was really a a cool (laughs) thing. Drew Drew Breeze will not let people clean up after his dog. He's got to do it. Anyway, I, I have no idea what that means. I just have <laughs> yeah. always loved telling people that story.
4: Well, uh, you know, Peter, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, things happen in threes. I look at the trifecta, and you mentioned Reggie Bush. And I heard a fan base how ecstatic they were to get Reggie Bush. Oh, no, we, oh, yeah. we, we, we're going to win the Super Bowl now. But to me, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and Reggie Bush, that was the trifecta. Now, yeah. uh, uh, Sean Payton's the alpha dog. And uh, it seems yep. like you've always had a great relationship with him because he respects you. Obviously, um, you know it's mutual. Uh, now, Saints fans, where are we at now? Do you think it's a good or bad move that he went to Denver? I mean, I, you know, Saints fans, he could have been here for life. Uh, I mean, it seems like, but he was kind of like Bill Parcells, his mentor. Always I said you have to I stay he, one step ahead.
5: I think he, I think he got a little wanderlust, honestly he just felt like okay this team's been listening to me for whatever 18 years 16 years whatever it was this team's been listening to me for a long time they need a new voice he knew it he could feel it but at the same time he wanted the saints to get the benefit of the you know the uh you know the draft picks so he said, listen, I'm going to cooperate with whatever it is. I don't want to lose high draft pick or picks, but I'm going to cooperate with that because I want to do the right thing for New Orleans. And so I think it, I think it was the best thing for everybody at the time uh, because I just think he – and I also think he needed, to, he needed to have a year where he could take a deep breath. Uh, that, was the, that was what I sensed all along.
4: Now, Peter, uh, what is your uh, – because, you look, all your experience, all what you've covered, what's your number one relationship uh, covering the NFL? Because that could be from a broad spectrum. But, like, all yeah. the people that you've interacted with, uh, what would be the number one relationship? But to me, I'm intrigued with that.
3: Peter, the other thing, too, is you starting out and you get a young Bill Parcells a young yeah, one yeah. in the coaching as a head coach. That had to really be something uh, to be around him would, in those early days with the Giants.
5: You know, Bobby, I would probably say it's Parcells, just because I remember I used to. they used to have this rule around the Giants with the media that, okay, look, no more sidebars with walking out of a press conference with the coach so you get something that the other – writers don't so one day i told bill i said listen if i really need to ask you something I, I can't ask it to you at a press conference so he sort of challenged me and he said well if you really want to ask me something be at my parking spot at 5:45 in the morning cause that's about the time when i get to work so this was maybe a week later i am standing in his parking spot and it's like 5.45 or 6 o'clock, and he goes, bleepity bleep, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> you showed up. <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. But, but then it was like three or four times that year I did that because I said, look, you said I could do this. I won't abuse it, but if ever I really need you, I, I want to be able to do it. And so, But look, you know, Bobby, here's the whole thing. You have to want to do this job. You know, you yep. remember what it was like, it, it, you know, when you uh, go to training camp yep. and you say, the hell with being the third quarterback to second. I'm going to win the and starting job right here, right now. I mean, this is the time of your life. You, you know, yes. this is, you don't get a lot of these chances. And I didn't want to screw it up. And so that's kind of the way I always treated the job.
4: Now uh, you know, uh, Peter. What is like? Because you know all the interviews you have done through the years. Uh, what interview maybe you regret not getting, or what, what was your most satisfying interview? I mean, that could go uh, both that's... ways. You know, uh, right or left, whatever. Well, what was most satisfying? Yeah. Then maybe, uh, man, I wanted that interview, and then you re- regret not getting.
5: Well, I'll tell you the the uh, the probably the most satisfying one. It wasn't even for me. It was when I had this website at Sports Illustrated called the MMQB, we had a young writer there, a very aggressive, very good young writer named Emily Kaplan. And at the time, I don't know if you remember, you remember the uh, Aaron Andrews story where a guy reversed the peephole on her. Oh, yes, in the hotel. And and saw that thing at the hotel. And uh, that was a big, big scandal. guy got sent to jail And Erin Andrews, after that, she just didn't want to talk about it. That was something that was so incredibly hurtful. And so I told Emily Kaplan, I said, you need to go try to do this story. You need to do this. And I knew Erin, and Erin had basically said, Peter, I'm not going to talk about this. And I understood, but I told Emily, I said, Emily, you got to go try. So Emily went to her hotel uh, where Fox was, and they had made arrangements just to have a coffee And I advised Emily, try to do it. And if you can't, hey, listen, just shake hands and say, hey, good luck. Good getting to know you, blah, blah, blah. But she walked out of there and said, wow, Aaron's going to talk to me. And the reason that that was so good for me that I like so much is because I wanted to see at that point in my life, it was more important for me to help a lot of these young writers who I was emotionally invested in that I wanted to see do well. So that, that was, that was one that I'll never forget. And probably the other one, I can't think of one that I didn't get that I really wanted. I'm sure there are a lot of them, but the one, the other one that I was really proud of getting is a week after the Super Bowl when Brady led the, Patriots back from 28-3 to three to beat Atlanta.
4: <laughs> the Saints fans uh, you know, love that. <laughs> and yeah, still
5: love he, it. <laughs> he, he, he allowed me to come up to uh, meet him after he got off the ski slope the next Sunday at 2 in the afternoon in Nowheresville, Montana. So I met him. We spent about an hour, hour and a half together. I recorded it, used it as a podcast, and I wrote it. And that is one I'm I'm really proud of, um, you know, because of the immediacy of it and the fact that everybody in the world wanted to talk to him, and I was the guy who ended up talking to him. Peter,
3: now Peter uh, was that the picture that Giselle took, and they had on there photograph yeah. by Giselle?
5: Photographed by Giselle Bündchen. <laughs> oh, wow. That was hilarious. That was better— for a lot of people, that was better than the story. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bunch and got a photo credit in Sports Illustrated. That's the craziest thing.
4: <laughs> well, and, and, you know, Peter, when I look at now, uh, because everyone trusts your opinion, and I don't know, the rich get rich. You look at the NFL. Come on. The NBA Major yep. League Baseball wish they were the NFL. Uh, you can look at all major sports and the money that's involved. But what gives you hope? Or, I should say, a hope or even pause with the NFL going forward. Okay, because you look well, Okay, 2024, because th- that's kind of a broad question. But, but what's your, if you look in your crystal ball, well, where do you think the NFL is going going forward?
5: Well, I think there's two things I'd be worried about if I were the NFL. One is uh, this uh, unending desire to get in bed with, uh, you know, the sports gambling element. Um, And look, I'm not naive. If it's going to be legal in 38 states, people are going to bet on football games, and I get it. But in my opinion, as aggressive – the NFL has been so aggressive in seeking out every dollar um, with all of these gambling interests that I worry that in six, seven, eight years from now, Uh, It's, I mean, a lot of people now go to AA meetings and they're
4: alcoholics.
5: And I fear that Gamblers Anonymous is going to be, is going to have more clients six, eight, ten years from now than Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that is probably, I think that's my biggest fear. Well, 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 and and, and, and because,
4: and and, and Peter, when you think about this, uh, this happened, uh, listen, I was, I was born in 1960, but I read – I look at what happened to Alex Karras and Paul Horning. So you yeah, think that's yeah. going to go away? History always repeats itself. Come on.
5: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if players will get involved. All I know is that I think there are going to be – you think there are kids in high school right now and in college who have found some way to get around the – whatever the system is and place bets – at too early in age and not just them, but obviously people in their 20s and 30s, they're totally uh, hooked right now at gambling uh, during games, before games, all that stuff. So, look, I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna about this. I understand right. people are going to gamble, but it just looks to me, the way I see it, the NFL is looking for every last buck on this, and I think it's going to haunt them. I think the one other thing that concerns me and always has, you know, basically for the last probably 15 years is, you know, the the issues involving head trauma. It's a violent game. We all know this, but the NFL needs desperately to stay on uh, the issue of player safety and head trauma and to make absolutely sure they do everything in their power to, uh, to make helmets better, to make equipment better, to make the fields better, to make sure that there aren't a lot of, uh, you know, Dave Duerson's and Andre Waters' and and Junior say I was going forward.
3: Peter, uh, Bobby gave me a big amen when you talked about head oh, trauma. Yes. Because I mean, it, he's, got a, he's got a neck issue. No, no, no
4: I got my, my neck. My neck is killing. I got arthritis in my neck and I'm hanging in the pocket and all that. I had 11 concussions. All I know is, Peter, um, listen, in my 50s, I thought I, I I beat the system. All of a sudden, I turned 61, I, but I was like 63 in August. I'm like in my 60s. Man, I feel like I'm dealing with a bunch of stuff now. In my 50s, I thought I had beat the system, but not so fast.
3: Bobby fought the law, but the law fought back. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> no,
4: it, It's very discouraging at times, Peter.
3: Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it so it much, is. buddy. Thank you so hey, much. Listen,
5: thanks a lot, guys. It was great to be on with you. And, Bobby, take care of yourself. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Peter. All
3: right. That was legendary NFL writer and Odyssey Sports NFL insider Peter King. Great insights. We'll be back to finish it up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870 right after this break. Finishing up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870, again, we want to thank Peter King. Great uh, 25 minutes of interview. And, uh, man, we couldn't really ask for anything better. Legendary NFL writer. And we'll miss those Monday morning. R- up, he had for over 20 years. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870
1: right after this news break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? spend over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.